You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, and welcome to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Thank you for joining us today. We're your hosts. My name is Marcy Davis, and my co-host is my trusty service dog, Whistle. And Whistle and I are thrilled to be with you today to talk about our favorite subject, working dogs and working animals. And today, our guest is best-selling writer Bruce Cameron. And as all of you know, Bruce is the author of A Dog's Purpose and his latest book, A Dog's Journey. So come right back after these quick messages as we welcome Bruce Cameron to the show. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Petco, where the pets go. Petco, where the pets go. Pet Life Radio has tail wagging, fur flying, fabulous deals for our listeners from Petco. Get $6 off your order of $60 or more and up to 40% off the entire Petco site. That's right. But that's not all. Because you're a Pet Life Radio listener, you'll also get free shipping on your order of $49 or more. $6 off, up to 40% off, and free shipping from Pet Life Radio and Petco. To get these awesome deals, go to PetcoDeals.com. That's PetcoDeals.com. Petco, where the pets go. I'm not much of a reader, but I do wish I were more well read. There are so many great books coming out. I wish I could find a way to keep up. Audible.com makes it easy to stay well-informed and catch up on your reading simply by listening. Audiobooks from Audible turn downtime into uptime. You'll be more productive and become well-read. Now I'm able to catch up on all the great books I've been wanting to read. With Audible, I feel smarter. Pet Life Radio listeners, try Audible.com now and get your first 30 days of Audible Listener Gold Membership plan free. And get a free audiobook. Choose from over 100,000 titles. To get this great deal, go to audibledeals.com. That's audibledeals.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Pet Life Radio and Working Like Dogs. We're so excited today to have Bruce Cameron as our special guest. Hello, Bruce, and welcome. Hi, Marcy. Thank you. Hi, Whistle. <laughs> yeah, we're so excited that you could be with us today. And gosh, we've got so much to talk about. I don't even know where to get started. I guess my first question for you, Bruce, is tell us how you got started as a writer, which I, I think I heard was at the age of 16. Well, yeah, it's funny. I, I always wanted to be a writer. I mean, I remember that when I was growing up, children wanted to be, you know, astronauts, president, and I just wanted to be a writer. That's I wanted to be a novelist. I wanted to hold a book in my hand and say I wrote this book. At age 16, I sold the very first story I ever sent anywhere, and uh, I sold it first time. And I thought, oh, okay, well, this is easy. Uh, and of course, it's not easy. I went on to have a long career of of unpublished novels. I actually wrote eight. Uh, before my ninth book, which was called Eight Simple Rules for Dating My Teenage Daughter, uh, made it into print and onto the bestseller list. And 
but that was a humor book, and I didn't really have any success selling novels until my book, A Dog's Purpose, came out. Wow, I love that. I loved reading that about you because, you know, we always see you as being so successful and think that A Dog's Purpose was your first book that you ever wrote. So it's really refreshing to hear you say that, that it did take you a while to really to find that voice that resonated with so many people. Well, yeah, it took my whole life to get here, but that's true of everybody <laughs> about everything, isn't it? It is. It is. But that's so inspiring. It gives us all hope to hear someone like you say that. So I think that's really awesome for you to share that and to be so honest about that because I know I'm a writer and it's really hard because you want everything to be loved by the whole world and, and accepted. So it's really inspiring to hear that you had eight before your ninth that was so popular. Yeah, someone told me that uh, Hemingway took his first novel and threw it over the rails on a boat to France. <laughs> and uh, I, I didn't do that. I still have my first novel, but I, I can't even bear to look at it. It's, it's really bad. I, I just I know that it's there. Yeah, yeah. So you said you've always wanted to be a writer. So you started writing at a, even younger than 16 then. That, absolutely, yeah. I've written my whole life. I really can't remember a time when I didn't have a story going. I even remember trying to write a novel when I was in fourth grade. Which, you know, I couldn't type or anything. It was longhand, and I, I gave up after 23 pages and went out and played baseball. But I, <laughs> but I was hooked. I just couldn't stop writing. Yeah. Well, that's so beautiful. Well, it seemed like 1995 was a big turning point in your writing career. Can you tell us about what was happening then and what led you to where you are today? Yeah, you know, back then, it's kind of hard to, to picture it, but people were starting to get these home computers, they were calling them, and they'd get them for Christmas, and they were pretty expensive items, and they'd turn them on and look at them and say, okay, now what? And one of the very few things you could do was sign up for a column that uh, was an internet-based column that I was writing. It was called the Cameron Column, uninspiredly enough, and it was uh, humor. And uh, at that time, there was no spam. I mean, people actually welcomed when you forwarded something funny. They were they were glad to get it. They didn't write you back and say, "Please." Stop sending me stuff. I've got too much email. So for a while there, it was very popular. I had 40,000 readers in, in 52 countries, if you count Texas as a country. And <laughs> it was going great. And a few years later, that led to me having a newspaper column in the, in the Denver Rocky Mountain News, which was really the first time in my life that I was regularly published uh, in the paper. And, and it really, you know, it was a very slow ascent from there until I wrote a column called Eight Simple Rules for Dating My Teenage Daughter, which caught the imaginations of uh, people all over. It was reprinted in, in newspapers internationally. And so I knew I had something. I knew that this, this idea, and I, I tend to write very simple ideas. I mean, my idea that daughters and fathers have trouble getting along in their teenage years, apparently no one had ever thought of that before. <laughs> Another one I wrote was How to Remodel a Man, because apparently no one had ever heard of the fact that women and men are different. <laughs> and, uh, and with a dog's purpose, it was, you know, uh, apparently, you know, people had, it hadn't occurred to them that, that dogs are wonderful creatures. I mean, I'm, I'm, that's a joke, of course, but still, I've read about very simple and obvious things, and the, the, there's nothing more simple and obvious than a dog's love. Yeah, I, I know. I have to say, reading your book, I just loved it so much because I've had a service dog for over 20 years now. And I've always, I, I hear their voices in my head, you know, because they communicate with me, of course. But I love that about your book of hearing the voice of the dogs. And, and it is so beautiful and, and simple and so communicative how you express them. It was just so lovely. Oh, thank you. I think what separates a dog's 
purpose from a lot of other books out there is that it's a real dog. It doesn't have the sophistication of, say, some of these dogs, like when there's one dog that learns to learns English from watching television. And uh, it's a it's a marvelous book. I'm but I'm I'm just saying that uh, that's not a real dog. A real dog doesn't learn English. Well, a real dog learns a few words. A f- you know, a few hundred words is a is a pretty big vocabulary for a dog. So I wrote this from the standpoint of a dog who could listen to an entire conversation and not understand anything that was said except for the word bacon. You know, because that's <laughs> that's very often how they are. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, well, I was wondering how you found the voice for Bailey. How did you do that? Yeah, it was really difficult. You know, a dog's purpose tells the story of a dog that is uh, very special because he's reborn. He comes back, has multiple lives through multiple lifetimes, and remembers each one. And the reason why it's called a dog's purpose is that the dog eventually comes to believe that there must be some reason, some some purpose for this recurring event of his of being reborn and until he figures out what his purpose is it's going to keep happening he's just going to continue to be reborn so uh, I wanted to find that find a voice that reflects what dogs bring to every situation which is just this optimism and joy kind of no matter what's going on in a dog's purpose in in his first life we get the sense that he is being kept by a hoarder. We get the sense that there's way too many dogs in this yard, that it's a little chaotic and out of control and unsanitary. But the dog doesn't know that. The dog thinks that this is <laughs> the greatest place because there's all these dogs. I mean, it just isn't, even when some unpleasant things happen, the dog just accepts them and goes on with that eternal optimism that dogs bring to the table. So I wrote a dog's purpose uh, with the intent to touch people's hearts but also to show on every page the kind of joy and fun that a dog brings to his own life. Yeah, yeah, that's the lesson that they teach us, right, is that eternal optimism. I mean, I'm always amazed by it with my assistance dogs. It's so pure and innocent and so simple, as you said, which is just incredible. Yeah, they are with us such a short time, and a lesson that I believe we should learn from that is that you should celebrate every day. And uh, we know every time we enter into a relationship with a dog, we, we know that it's going to end in heartbreak, that we outlive our dogs. But from that, I think there's a lesson. And the lesson, I think, is that uh, they're here briefly, enjoy them, and enjoy every moment. Because after all, we're here briefly, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's wonderful because it is so true and so obvious. And yet we miss that in life as adults. We really miss that lesson so often and waste so many of those special moments. I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. When, when I set up to do with a, a dog's purpose then was to, and I didn't know I was going to write a sequel, by the way. I wrote a, a dog's journey as the sequel to a dog's purpose. Yes. I didn't know that that was going to happen. When I, when I put the final period in that book, I thought I was done until I started hearing from readers saying, you know, so what's next? You know, and I realized, well, when you write a book where the dog doesn't die in the end, and that's not a <laughs> plot spoiler because most – I just don't – you know, I read Old Yeller when I was a boy, and it just traumatized me. I was just yeah. so scared. They make you love this dog for, you know, 250 pages, and then they shoot it. Yes, I, I yes. I just couldn't – I couldn't. I was so angry. So my book's not like that. The dog doesn't die in the end, but that means there's leftover questions. Well, what happens next? And I, that's why I wrote A Dog's Journey. That's awesome. Well, and did I hear that you were inspired to write A Dog's Purpose by your childhood pet, Cammie? 
Yeah, Cammy was my very first dog. I, I was eight years old. The, the back gate opens. My dad walks in, and between his legs squirts this little Labrador puppy. Oh. And uh, we just ran <laughs> together like we were made to be together. We we collided. We threw each other around. <laughs> we spent the entire day wrestling. Fell exhausted and asleep with each other, and were inseparable. And Cammy was a Labrador with some odd behaviors like the way she'd wag her tail she'd kind of bounce her butt on the ground while she was wagging her tail and, and <laughs> i was riding my mountain bike in colorado in pine colorado uh several years ago and i i met this dog and he was behind a, a fence so i couldn't really like interact with him but i always like to stop and talk to the dogs and i talked to this dog and I'm, it was an unknown breed to me i did some sort of sight hound but i just really couldn't tell what it was and this dog reacted as if I was his best friend come back and then did some funny things like sat and bounced his butt on the ground while I wagged his tail and, and looked at me by tilting his head kind of funny. And I, I just had the sense when I rode away from that uh, encounter that I had just interacted with my very first dog that somehow Cammy was, was there and remembered me. You know, it was more of a feeling than uh, anything else. But I couldn't shake it, and it just led me to wonder, what if a dog doesn't die? What if a dog is born again and again and remembers those lives? And what would that look like from the dog's perspective? And that is what led to uh, a dog's purpose. Wow. Wow, that's so great. And and who knows, that probably was Cammy that you were interacting with that was giving you another gift. That would be wonderful. I mean, I really yeah. hope so. It's so. It is so true that... You know, losing Cammy, I felt tore a hole in my heart. Eventually, it uh, it heals like time will will do for you. But I'll never forget that dog. Yeah, yeah, and we don't. That's for sure because they make such an impact on us, which is another one of their gifts that they give us unconditionally. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, so I know that um, you wrote the screenplay for Eight Simple Rules for Dating My Teenage Daughter. You were writing that screenplay, right? I actually wound up moving to Los Angeles because, of course, it became a TV show as well as a screenplay. Right. Uh, we never, you know, when when John Ritter died, it, it changed the nature of the, the conversation in terms of whether or not the, there would be a movie called uh, Eight Simple Rules for Dating My Teenage Daughter. We decided uh, there that there would not be. And, uh, and of course, John dying kind of, you know, the, the TV show just couldn't really recover from that in terms yeah. of what the original intent was. But it was a real experience. And, and uh, aside from the tragic loss of John, who was a real treasure, yeah. a fine actor, but a, but a great person on top of that, I really felt that it really altered my life because up to that point, I'd just written these books. They'd never sold any. This book caught everybody by surprise. Tiny initial print run. Really, no advertising. They did. They did send me on the road to promote it. That's what they used to do back then. You got on. You got on an airplane and just flew from city to city. And when it got on the bestseller list, the publisher literally ran out of books. Didn't have enough books. That's a good the, problem to have, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> Although there is such a thing as momentum. I mean, once the book was was sold True. out, uh, by the time yeah. they got books back, everybody had moved on. But that's okay. It was a wonderful experience, and it led to my career. Yeah, I'll say. Well, I know. I, I can only imagine what a incredible experience that was. And the show was so great. I loved that show. And it, it was heartbreaking when John Ritter passed away so suddenly. Yeah, that was really hard to take. 
Yeah. But what a journey for you, a stop on your journey, I guess, and having that whole experience of moving to L.A. and Hollywood. And I'm sure things did change dramatically for you. They really did, although, you know, it's funny. The, the real change has actually come with the publication of A, of a Dog's Purpose. You know, it, once again, this was not going to be a big book, modest initial print run, not a lot of advertising. The only indication the publisher had that things might be a little better than expected with A Dog's Purpose was the reaction from early reviews, which were pretty stellar and, and exciting. And, and then what happened was uh, we live in a different time, a time that publishers, I don't think, have even really figured out where social media is the conversation and where marketing, which was always a, uh, you know, that we, and they still do this, they take out a big ad in the New York Times. And I love that. that I really appreciate a full color ad in the <laughs> New York Times. But you know, what's really happening is that people are telling each other about the book on Facebook. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it has, you know, we have a, we have a fan page where people can go and talk about dogs and talk about the books and, and everything they want to talk about. 183,000 people are on that page. That's great. Uh, that's yeah. That's the reason why a dog's purpose is doing well is that because people are are sharing their experiences with each other. I promise you, it's not coming from that advertisement in the in the New York Times, which no one even remembers. You know, it, <laughs> it really has changed. Yeah, it's still word of mouth, and word of mouth now travels in lots of alternative formats, right? It does, and no one can tell you what's next or or how to control it or yep. you know, it really has gotten to the point where it was always that advertisers would control the conversation by just jamming it down your throat now people have taken over the conversation so a book like a dog's purpose uh, which still has never had much marketing behind it is um, is doing phenomenally well because of the people who talk about it and yeah. I'm so grateful to them uh, they don't have to spend their time chatting about a nice you know book that they enjoyed Mm -hmm. uh, but they do, and I, yeah. really, I, can't, I can't tell you how that has made a difference in my life. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a quick break for some messages, and when we come back, I want to tell you about some conversations that I had recently with some folks about, about your book, A Dog's Purpose. So we're going to come right back after these quick messages from our sponsors, so don't go away. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Every pet is unique. Maybe they're gray in the muzzle, yet young at heart. Maybe they're growing out of the puppy stage and into their paws and ears. Or maybe they're just trying to maintain a more girlish figure. At PetSmart, we have the right food for your pet at a great value for you. PetSmart. Be better together. Go to PetSmartDeal.com and save up to 30% on awesome gifts for the pets and pet people in your life. Toys, collars, leashes, PetSmart gift cards, treats, and more. Go to PetSmartDeal.com today. P-E-T-S-M-A-R-T-D-E-A-L.com. Dyson. The new Dyson Animal Backs are powerful bagless upright backings for homes with pets. Air muscle and radio root cyclone technology generates the strongest suction power to powerfully remove dust, dirt, and pet hair from the home or car. To order your Dyson Animal Back, go to DysonDeals.com. DysonDeals.com to order your Dyson Animal Back today. Dyson. 
music to your ears. Love your pets but wish their medications were a lot less expensive? They are at 1-800-PET-MEDS. You'll not only save on flea and heartworm medications, but on prescriptions for arthritis, incontinence, thyroid, and more. And you get fast service, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Plus, our licensed pharmacists ensure accuracy, monitor drug interaction, and more. See why over 5 million people have trusted their pet's health to 1-800-PET-MEDS, America's largest pet pharmacy. Call now or order online. Go to PetMeds.com forward slash work, W-O-R-K, to get 10% off any order and free shipping on orders of $39 or more at PetMeds.com. Hi, this is Tim Link, host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Join me as we feature interviews with best-selling pet-related authors, award-winning writers, and journalists, and bloggers. And we'll tell stories about the animals and interesting topics about the animals in our lives. Each of the interviews will give you a first-hand knowledge about why the authors and writers chose a particular story, what the feature animals meant to them, and what has become of those animals that we've talked about. And of course, I'll also share stories from my own books, blogs, articles, and experiences. So be sure to join me and the writers and authors on Animal Rights. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. And we're visiting today with Bruce Cameron, author of A Dog's Purpose and his latest book, A Dog's Journey, which is a sequel to A Dog's Purpose. But before the break, we were talking about social media and the amazing way that word travels about books and how that's happened to a dog's purpose. And I was um, over at a, a dinner. I go to a supper club once a month. And I went to the supper club last month and Everybody was talking about a dog's purpose at all the tables. They were all wow. talking about it. Yeah. And just raving about it and how most everybody there had read it. But believe me, their word of mouth was definitely convincing all the others to read your book. And so I shared with them that you and I were going to be visiting soon. And they were very excited. And it was really interesting because it was a diverse group of people of ages, of you know, socioeconomic places in their lives and they all it had just really made a huge impact on them and it really resonated with them well that's a fantastic story i love that i love yeah. that story yeah so i mean like you said it is word of mouth i mean it really is of of people feeling that connection and they definitely had a huge connection and i'm so happy for you that's no wonder you did a sequel <laughs> yeah and, but you know what's funny and this caught me completely off guard the number of people who read a dog's journey who never even heard of a dog's purpose and the number of comments i get from people who said oh i didn't read realize this was the second book, apparently you can read them out of order and it doesn't seem to make any difference at all. Well, that was smart. That was very smart for you to do it that way. That's great. Well, tell us about A Dog's Journey. Well, at the very end of A Dog's Purpose, we all believe, including the dog who at that, name, at that point is named Buddy because with every life he gets a new name, Buddy believes he has done it. He has fulfilled his purpose. This is his last trip, if you will. Except for there's this little girl. There's this little girl with a big name. Her name is Clarity June. And, but Clarity is 
a little girl who gets into trouble a lot. And uh, as Buddy watches over her on the family farm, he becomes convinced that Clarity needs a dog in her life to, to take care to, of her, to, to watch over her. And so when, uh, when we pick up the story again, we run into Clarity again. We encounter her. Now the dog is going to be named Molly, and the girl, Clarity, is going by the, the name CJ for Clarity June. And it's going to turn out that uh, CJ definitely needs a dog in her life. She continues to make really bad decisions, and she continues to be troubled by life. She has a lot of challenges. And uh, if it were not for the dog by her side, a dog who literally saves her life, it would be probably impossible for her to make her way through her own life journey. So in a way, Buddy becomes like a guide dog for CJ and helps her with her problems and, and he doesn't do anything, you know, crazy. He can't talk to her. He doesn't perform CPR on her or do anything like that. But just having a dog at the right moment can really help a person. And that's what happens with CJ. Oh, that's great. That's wonderful. So, again, you know, how was it in trying to find that voice for well, Buddy? Well, you know, the, it was uh, with a dog's journey, the voice is a little wiser because he's been through a few lives. So he's a little more savvy in terms of people and uh, other dogs and but he's still a dog so he still makes all kinds of assumptions about things that are wrong uh, just as we make assumptions about uh, dogs that are wrong there's a part of a dog's journey where they think that uh, their dog always stops to smell the roses because he literally stops and smells this rose bush where it turns out that there's a male dog in the neighborhood who always marks those bushes and it's a fascinating smell for the dog and he wants to stop every time and sniff it. And that is, so here we, the people are saying, look, there's a lesson, always stop and smell the roses and we don't realize that's not what he smells. I love that, yep. Well, and that's it because you capture a dog so well in the way that you write and, and express that voice. And so I was just wondering, how do you think you did that? Do you think it was from your own experience with your own pets or because you really nail it well i did a lot of reading but i really have to tell you it came from the dog park i would sit and watch dogs interact in the dog park and i after a while i realized what we superficially think is going on is not what's going on at all it's it's it, <laughs> it is not a dog pack is not a wolf pack they don't behave like wolves they behave like dogs which are very social animals very attuned to people, very different breeds, behave in very different ways, and then the relationships they have are so complex and shifting in ways that would break your heart on the playground. If you were playing with your best friend and suddenly another person came up and your best friend ran off, your heart would be broken. But dogs just absolutely accept, okay, now I'm going to play with this dog. Now we've all just, a new dog came and everybody changed partners like it's a square dance or something, you know. It's so complicated and so interesting to see how they interact with each other. Dogs are just fascinating. So I don't mind at all that with a dog's purpose and with a dog's journey, I've sort of become the dog book guy because the, my, my character, if you will, that I've been saddled with is the most optimistic and, and the most friendly and the most loving creature. And, and who wouldn't want that as a main character? So I've got more dog books coming and I'm going to continue to write them because I love dogs and I have they're so fascinating and so complicated. Yeah, well, you have to. You've got us hooked now, so you have to keep writing the book so you can give us more. <laughs> so are there any plans for a, a feature film for A Dog's Purpose or A Dog's Journey, do you think? Well, it's funny that you should ask that. Yeah, um, 
I was hired by DreamWorks to write the screenplay for A Dog's Purpose, and they still, I mean, movie making is one of the most murky and complicated things you, you can possibly imagine, where it just seems like nothing happens very quickly. And you, when you call over there and say, okay, how's it going? They're like, it's going great. But <laughs> so far they haven't shot any film or they haven't cast any dogs or anything like that. So I don't know. They're doing it their way. They're, they're a big studio. They obviously know what they're doing. I'm a little impatient because uh, every single day I get an email from somebody saying, when's the movie coming out? And yeah, I say, yeah. who knows? Yeah, yeah. Oh, but how exciting though and that you got to write the screenplay. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's really fun. Screenwriting is a lot different than writing a novel, and yet it was writing screenplays that gave me some discipline that I didn't have in my novel writing before. I really hadn't understood just how structured a story needs to be until I wrote screenplays, which are, you know, you have a template. You have to have a a first, second, third act, and they have to be so long, and if you don't hit that, the movie just won't feel right. And that was uh, that's what happened with a dog's uh, a dog's purpose. When I sat down to outline the book, uh, I made a very strict vow to myself that I would stick to storytelling uh, as a as a method of expressing what's going on with this dog. That if I I didn't want to get experimental, I didn't want to do anything that would distract people from the sense that they were just experiencing this wonderful story of this dog on his journey. Well, how did you learn how to write a screenplay? Had you had any formal training? No. Uh, it turned out, though, that uh, my writing partner is a screenwriter and worked in television for a number of years, and she was writing a novel and, and had never written a novel before, and I had written lots of those. So we, we got together and began working together, and uh, she trained me in screenwriting and gave me books to read, and, and I trained her in, in novel writing, although I don't think she really paid attention, but anyway, that's how that, that's how that worked out, and it was great. Oh, that was perfect. Wow, that was great for both of you. Yeah, it really is uh, It's an interesting craft. Yeah. Well, what advice would you give young people today who might want to become a novelist, a famous novelist like Bruce Cameron? <laughs> uh, you know, I'd say don't listen to us old guys because what we are, the world we're talking about is changing so quickly. With e-publishing and with uh, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey capturing the imagination and going from e-book to to paperback, it's not the how things used to be. So I would urge uh, anybody to sort of to recognize that when it comes to the craft of writing, we might have something to say, but when it comes to routes for publication, all the advice we're going to have is obsolete because uh, it's a different world. And I'm. I'm really glad that I got in under the wire and uh, took a conventional route, you know, got an agent who sold, you know, submitted it to a publisher and because that's the world I had been trying to crack my whole life. And it not only gave me a sense of accomplishment, but it was something that I could understand. Whereas today, if I were trying to to make the same thing happen and I try to come out with an ebook or I self-published and there's so many options now, it would be very confusing to me. So that would be my advice to a young writer. And, and also, when possible, put a dog on the cover. That seems to really work. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. That's what they say. Dogs are babies, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, what project are you working on right now? Well, I have a book coming out uh, next fall, 2013, uh, called The Dogs of Christmas. It's a, it's a Christmas book, and uh, I'm finishing that. And then I've got, to, I've got to sit down and write a proposal for my next books because uh, it's time to get started on the next one. 
Wow. And will the next one, can you give us a hint about that one? I am thinking very seriously that there might be a third book in the series about uh, this this wonderful dog, Bailey Buddy. I mean, I was little, wondering about that. Yeah, I'm thinking about that. I mean, there's certainly some things I'd like to say and do. And, uh, you know, people who read A Dog's Journey, just as with A Dog's Purpose, they say, that was great. When's the next one? Right. As, you know, <laughs> I, and, you know, I'm, as long as I'm saddled with, you know, I'm sort of committed to having a dog that doesn't die or yeah. is always reborn. I'm really, uh, I'm really, you know, I've kind of sort of, I've got a perpetual story machine. So I'm yeah. stick with that. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, I have to ask you, do you think you've found your purpose? Well, I think that our lives should be a constant search for purpose. And I, I think it changes. I would have told you that my, you know, my purpose uh, was to be a novelist. Uh, I've accomplished that, but now there are other things I need to do. I don't think that, uh, I don't think you can retire from life. I think that when you get to the point where you feel like you've fulfilled your purpose, there's going to be other things in front of you that will be revealed and you should just keep looking. And uh, I really think that's sort of the message of a dog's journey. Again and again, the dog is surprised that he's reborn because he keeps thinking he did it, he fulfilled his purpose, but then there's always something else that needs to be done. Yeah, I love that. And I, when I was first reading the book, I was so afraid when he was reborn that he was not going to remember his past. And oh, I was wow. so relieved when you let him have that memory so yeah. that he, he did remember, which I thought was so great. It's a great fantasy. I love reincarnation, you know, as a literary device. I don't, I don't know that I'm, that I believe in it. It's, it's more that I'm sort of open to the idea, though. I don't see what is the use of reincarnation if you don't remember anything. And, right. Uh, I'm certainly not looking forward to going back to middle school if I'm going to be reincarnated. <laughs> I'm not again. Yeah, well, you want to remember those lessons from that, right? So, <laughs> yeah, you so really you're, do. Well, even if you do have to repeat it, you can repeat it, but be smarter about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, it's been so great to visit with you. And please tell us, how can our listeners get more information about you, Bruce, and about how to order the books? Okay. The books are right now available in all the stores. The stores have them, uh, so even uh, I think Target and some of the and Costco, they have the hardback of A Dog's Journey. Uh, you can certainly find me online. If you go online, you can go to adogspurpose.com and nominate your dog for Dog of the Week. And I week, saw that. I love that. I'm yeah, going to have to nominate Whistle. Oh, definitely Whistle belongs up there <laughs> in the Hall of Fame. And uh, the dog with the most votes wins and gets to be Dog of the Week. And then we we send the dog a, a, a copy of uh, a dog's purpose. And uh, you can find us on Facebook. If you're a Facebooker, please go to our fan page. Just type in a dog's purpose and find it, and you'll find 183,000 people hanging out there. And they're all talking dogs and dog books, and it's a, it's a great community. That's wonderful. And we all can't get enough dog talk, right? You know, they, uh, I'm, I'm looking at my dog right now, and uh, because he knew I was going to be on the phone, he climbed up on the couch, and he's just giving me this look like, you can't do anything about this because you're talking on the phone. <laughs> I know, and Whistle's laying right at my feet. Absolutely. They're so amazing. And gosh, well, I just love the voice that you've given to, to the dogs and just love reading it and can't wait to read the 10th version. <laughs> That's <laughs> and- wonderful. 
Yeah, well, thank you so much, Bruce. And thank you, our listeners, for being with us and for joining us on Working Like Dogs. And we hope that you'll keep those emails coming. We love to hear from you. And you can email me at marcy, M-A-R-C-I-E, at PetLifeRadio.com. And you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Working Like Dogs. So thanks so much for being with us. And we look forward to talking to you again soon. Take good care. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.